This is the Simply Love Jesus podcast, where we explore life and faith through the lens of one question. What does it mean to simply love Jesus? And we're back from summer break. And my name is Adrian, and I'm your host. And we're with the bro, Caleb Davis. What's up, Caleb? How you been this week? I I'm doing good. I'm doing good. We are at where where are we again? Right. Chattahoochee Coffee Company, um, Eddie, Eddie's place. Is it Chattahoochee Coffee Company or Eddie's place? Oh, okay, so they share the same space. Okay, cool. So we're at this coffee shop. We're just hanging out here up in northern parts of Atlanta today. And <laughs> it's good stuff. Um, but um, I love want to know. We've been in this series for a good a, a little while now. Uh, and we're in the series called Toxic Relationships with God. And so the idea of the series is, is, is this is your first time tuning into our podcast. The idea of the series is that just as there are uh, toxic relationships that we can have with other people, we can also have toxic relationships with God. And what that looks like is not necessarily the idea of God having been toxic to us, but toxic in our perceptions in our understanding of our relationship with God, and it begins to shape how we view God, how we view ourselves. It even begins to shape how we treat other people. Um, and I really believe this. I believe that if you change the way that you think, you will change the way that you live. And this series is just about identifying different ways that people can have a very toxic relationship uh, with with God and if they can identify that and they can identify key ways that we do that and how that bleeds into our relationship with him um, it will also help us to treat other people better as well when we can have a healthy relationship with God and thus a healthier relationship with other people uh, and so week you know what Adrian why don't you go ahead and tell me we've been in this series for a while what has been something that has just stood out to you throughout this series well the thing that stood out to me so far was the one um oh we had uh my girlfriend olivia yeah. i'm music director yes love and lust it was at the end when you had said that we can have a lust for god and i was just like <laughs> we literally had to make that part one and part two we had to make it part one because i just changed the whole trajectory of the episode. I, and then I was like, and then people was like, who is our Nathan? Da, da, da. Yep. So, and then Olivia was like, who is our Nathan? I was like, my mom's blown because I'm not, I'm not thinking of this. So yep. that when you said that you actually can lust after God instead of actually just wanting him for who he is. Mm. And we're in the lust part is we're wanting the things that he can give us and not be obedient and reciprocate that back um, to him. So I was like, wow. That's good. What about you, Caleb? What stood out to you? Um, pro- probably the same episode, just because that was one of those episodes where like, we had an idea of what we were going to talk about, but then the more that we began to talk about the actual conversation, it did begin to really open up. And we're like, whoa. <laughs> just uh, kind of a whole different train of thought opened up and we kind of just ran with that. And so uh, I loved that episode. Um, and that was one that, yeah, definitely stood stood out to me the most. Uh, but in, in this episode, and it, by the way, if 
listeners, if you had a favorite moment or favorite episode, we would also love to hear from you. And the best way we can do that is if you just follow us on Instagram um, and you send us a message. Or if you're in the Atlanta area and you want to join one of our monthly events, you can do that too. We would love to hear from you. But definitely just, you know, follow us, comment on one of our, on our photos or something. Just send us a DM and let us know what your favorite moment was. And you can do that by following us at SLJ Ministries. We would love to just hear your thoughts and what you've thought of this series so far. So let me give you a little bit of a crash course very 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 summarized version of what's happened since our last episode at least in the narrative of scripture so you had this guy named david he was king and he brought he united the people of israel into one united kingdom and after he had passed eventually the kingdom split they split up into a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom and and eventually it just continued to just go into disarray and it continue and then and the people of Israel continued to just uh fall further and further away like it was kind of just like this beauty beautiful moment of unity within the kingdom of Israel and everyone was in harmony and it was beautiful and and it was great and they were thriving and the next thing you know it just began to go right back and 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 divert back to this time of when they were just scattered and divided and they so they continue to do all these things you have different wicked kings and you had different rulers and monarchs within the nation of israel and they were evil and and some were good some would do good things others would do bad things but israel would just kind of go back and forth like they would they would mess up and they'd worship false idols and then they'd go back to god but then they'd go back to their other ways and they would continue to just mess things up and this continued to go on this consistent cycle and the longer that this cycle went on things continued to get worse and worse and worse and so eventually it came to the point where god had appointed specific people called prophets and and in that period what they would do is they would continue to uh tell the people of israel they're like listen if you continue doing things the way that you're doing them bad things are gonna happen god is gonna cause you to be taken away god is not gonna just sit here and let you do these things you are his people he is your father he will discipline his children if they continue to be rebellious but the people of israel did not listen in fact they rejected and persecuted the prophets for communicating and bringing about god's word and so eventually what happens is what god had said came to pass and so the people of israel were taken into exile um and that exile is not necessarily like a it wasn't like a nation like uh, it was the kingdom of babylon came it's not like babylon came along they're like hey you're going into exile (laughs) it was the exile is how the people of israel view that time period um and so what happened is the nation of uh, babylon came and they took the israelites away from jerusalem and they took them as prisoner prisoners into captivity and took them all the way back to their land. And so that happened as a result of their disobedience and their rebellion. And so that's where we are picking up today. And before we dive into specifically like the good fruit and the bad fruit for this episode, I want to take a moment to read something from Jeremiah. So you have an idea of why God was so angry. Actually, I'll ask you, Adrian, how would you say Growing up, how would you say you would describe God in the Old Testament? And how do you think other people would describe God when they read him in the Old Testament? What would you say? Uh, what's, what, what are they called? Those type kind of preachers? Uh, fire and brim, and brimstone? Yeah. yeah. 
the definitely definitely the way they preach that that's how i would have perceived god um without you know how having prior knowledge or in-depth knowledge to who he is just reading that it's like wow um <laughs> like it's it's like it's like we're getting a spanking after a spanking after a spanking <laughs> but it, it wow. Wow. like dang you do one thing you step out of line Yes, and I think that's how like people that are either hinge on their faith and trying to come back or non-believers and et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think that's how they feel when they um, only get the Old Testament version of God and and that fire and brimstone preachers just hyphen and emphasize on that. I really believe that a lot of times they don't understand the grace and mercy that God has and they are still stuck in the old ways or they feel like put it this way they feel like they can scare someone into conviction because they think that that'll make them return and repent because they are a sinner and turn to god they think if they preach that way and they see the raw ugliness of sin that they would you know they they would turn the preachers that are preaching that would turn from that but they think that everybody else would think like that and turn from it when in fact that we see that doesn't work and everybody doesn't think like that they don't have the understanding or the comprehension of how lethal sin is so you can't come at them that way especially if they this is their first because a lot of times your first impression is only like only impression that you get and taking that in a metaphorically like people a non-believer coming to a fire and brimstone type kind of teacher or or a, a preacher that doesn't teach the wholeness of the Bible, yeah. they're getting a miscued view of who God and Jesus is, and they're missing out on that because you, because that person is not fully submitted to God and not fully submitted to knowing who He is by studying His Word. So that being said, I want to read this real quick from from our boy Jeremiah. A little bit about Jeremiah: He's a young guy. We don't know exactly how young. We just know he's a young man. He's probably in his 20s. He's probably my age. He's probably just like me, you know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, he was a young guy. That's all we really we all all we really know about him is that uh Jeremiah was from um this land called Anathoth. It's in the land of Benjamin. Uh, and he was just one of the priests in a town. He was an average young guy, young priest. Um and God gave him a call. He said God the Lord gave me this message. This is in Jeremiah chapter one. He said, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the other nations. Oh, sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. The Lord replied, don't say I'm too young for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people for I will be with you and protect you. I, the Lord have spoken. So, Jeremiah is a guy he's being sent to declare to the people of Israel, God has some words to say. Jeremiah chapter 2, the Lord gave me this message. He said, go out and shout this message to Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says. I remember how eager you were to please me as a young bride long ago. Underline that phrase, a young bride. How you loved me and followed me. 
even through the barren wilderness. Also under underline that phrase, barren wilderness, double underline barren, double underline young bride. There's some there's some analogies going on here that should be important for maybe another conversation. But, you know, I just want you to underline it for now. Anyways, in those days, Israel was holy to the Lord at the first Israel. In those days, Israel was holy to the Lord, the first of his children. All who harmed his people were declared guilty and disaster fell on them. I, the Lord, have spoken. Listen to the word of the Lord, people of Jacob, all you families of Israel. This is what the Lord says. What did your ancestors find wrong with me that led them to stray so far from me? They worshipped worthless idols only to become worthless themselves. Woof. Um, They did not ask. Where is the Lord who brought us safely out of Egypt and led us through the barren wilderness, a land of deserts and pits and a land of drought and death where no one lives or even travels? And when I brought you to a fruitless land to enjoy its bounty and goodness, you defiled my land and corrupted the possession I had promised you. The priests did not ask, where is the Lord? Those who taught my word ignored me. The rulers turned against me and the prophets spoke in the name of Baal, wasting their time on worthless idols. Therefore, I will bring my case against you, says the Lord. I will even bring charges against your children's children in the years to come. Go west and look in the land of Cyprus. Go east and search through the land of of Kedar. Has anyone ever heard of anything as strange as this? Has any nation ever traded its gods for new ones, even though they are not gods at all? Yet my people have exchanged their glory for worthless idols. The heavens are shocked at such a thing and shrink back in horror and dismay, says the Lord. For my people have done two evil things. Underline this part. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that no, that can hold no water at all. So underline that little phrase because that specifically is what Israel has done. And then I'm going to continue reading on a little bit. I know it's long, but it's going to, it's going to really set the, set the tone for some of this stuff and why this stuff is necessary. Why has Israel become a slave? Why has he been cap- carried away as plunder? Strong lions have ro- roared against him and the land has been destroyed. The towns are now in ruins and no one lives in them anymore. Egyptians marching from their cities of Memphis and Tough. Ta- ta- Tapanis, Tapan- I don't know how to pronounce that, <laughs> uh, have destroyed Israel's glory and power. And you have brought this upon yourselves by rebellion against the Lord your God, even though he was leading you on the way. Why have you gained your alliances with Egypt and your covenants with Assyria? What good to you are the streams of the Nile or the waters of the Euphrates River? Your wickedness will bring its own punishment. Your turning from me will shame you. You will see what an evil, bitter thing thing it is to abandon the Lord God and not fear him. I, the Lord, the Lord of the heaven's armies have spoken. Long ago, I broke the yoke that oppressed you and tore away the chains of your slavery. But still you said, I will not serve you. On every hill and under every green tree, you have prostituted yourselves by bowing down to idols. Underline that word prostituted. But I was the one who planted you, choosing a vine of the purest stock, 
the very best. How did you grow into this corrupt, wild vine? No amount of soap or lie can make you clean. I still see the stain of your guilt. I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. I could keep on going because he goes for a really, really long time. But even this next uh, section, it's titled Israel and an Unfaithful Wife. Um, And it keeps on going and uses this same analogy for several more chapters. (laughs) All the way up till chapter seven. (laughs) Actually, he keeps going. He's just basically going on a big rant this entire time. Uh, And he keeps going and going and going. And the theme is the same throughout. It's this idea of this, he uses this analogy of relationships and he's constantly going back and forth and using this analogy of unfaithfulness and using this idea of like, like a prostitute, like you, like they prostitute themselves, like someone who is someone who said, who has gone astray. It's this idea of like, if you're using a relationship as an analogy, it says something very specific to how God feels about this. It says something very specific about what kind of relationship that Israel has with God and how God even perceives his relationship with Israel. So having heard all of that, all that stuff that I just read you, do you, uh, what kind of questions may come to your mind or what maybe comes to your mind when you have heard all of that? How dare you see on God? <laughs> that's one thing that come to mind. It's like, it's like the person that's the most faithful has been the most faithful in your life. And it could be your parents, your significant other, or your best friend. And, and, you know, AKA that's metaphorically for God. And it's just like, how could you? And just put it this way, more, so it's more, uh, so people can get it more it's like it's like you betraying your mother like a mother that's been faithful to you but like that like your mother has been the best that she can be she's been healthy she's never neglected you and it's like out of nowhere you just start betraying her bat you know backstabbing her and it's like how like how could you do this you came from my womb I gave birth to you. I know, I know you better than you know yourself. And how dare you do this to me? And so rightfully so God knew us and he formed us in our mother's womb. So imagine as that, as a metaphor times affinity. And this is the reason why I can now understand, you know, this is the reason why God is so wrathful. Uh, his rage is is there because it's like how dare you bow down to something that cannot speak something that does not provide for you something that has not been your refuge and something that has not been with you in your days of egypt from moses and that brought you out of the wilderness and to where i have given to giving you now like i've been with you all this time and ever since the beginning i'm out of eve of your forefathers and your foremother how do how dare you so that that is someone that is very hurt someone that is very jealous and rightfully so brings the hammer down so god is hurt he is very hurt so in that and piggybacking off of that 
is this idea because a lot of people we think God is unfazed or unmoved, but we read specifically like even in Psalms, there are several places throughout Scripture where it says that sin grieves the heart of God. The reality is like that God uses this illustration of this unfaithfulness and infidelity and all of these things. He uses that illustration to communicate to us how badly this hurts. I mean, if you've ever been cheated on, if you've, you know, you've given so much for somebody else and to watch them throw it away for something that isn't going to last, throw it away, like, you know, take away stepping outside of just religious or spirituality or whatever. Let's just like think of your real life. Let's say that you have a spouse or a girlfriend or boyfriend and you have loved them so much you haven't done anything wrong in fact you've brought them out of a bad situation like you've brought them out and you've helped them become better you've helped them better themselves you've invested in them they've loved you all these things but then little after little you begin to see them just start pushing away and it's nothing you did they i'm sure there are plenty of people listening to this right now who have who can think of specific specific i can't english today Ah, um, specific examples of someone who has done something similar where to no fault of your own, the person that you love has completely rejected you and thrown their life away, essentially, um, and thrown it away for something meaningless and, and fleeting. And it's just a, it's a, a it's like a, back in Genesis chapter three, it's like the fruit on the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It looked appealing to the eye. And it was, and they said that it was good for food and for wisdom or whatever. It was appealing to the eye and they were deceived and you watch them turn away and turn towards that instead. This is, so when I read these things, this is not a God who's just, you know, deciding just to downcast people who are just so distant. To, this is a person who's heavily invested and involved in their lives and he is rightfully, uh, hurt and rightfully angry. Uh, and so the thing that they've been doing is rebelling. They've been just turning, they're turning away because he hasn't even done anything wrong at all. And yet they are pushing away and they're running towards these other things. And that's because there is an inherent thing within ourselves to, we don't want to be What's what's the word? What's the word I'm looking for? We don't want. I don't know. What, what there's something within us we don't want to. What I don't know. Um, I w- I would think we don't like to change. We don't like to. Um, we don't like authority. Nobody likes the idea of submission. And the only people who do, the people who don't have a problem with it and are totally okay with it, at least in a specific context, uh, are only people who like it when it benefits them. The only people who really, you think about today's culture, the only people who really 
care a lot about, you know, submitting to your authorities are the people who want to control other people. And that comes from a very broken place within us. Every single one of us, when we were kids, we don't like authority. We don't like, there's a thing within us that wants to rebel against authority. And so the only people who like that are the people who want to control other people. And they may, you may say, well, we like that you, you like it or you don't. But the reality is there's a piece of you that does not like to be controlled when somebody else is telling you what to do. Every single one of us doesn't like to be, to submit to an authority. But here's the catch that I want to talk about because the idea we think that if I'm not submitting to an authority, I'm doing what I want. And we think that's independence and freedom. But are they really free? Are they really free? No, not really. Can you really <laughs> escape submission? No, you can't. Because wow. let's let's take it out of a religious standpoint. Let's say like, you know, uh, a Christian... It's like, I'm tired of submitting to God. I want to walk away from that and all that kind of stuff, blah, blah, blah. But fast forward, you're out in the world and you're out in um, society. You still have to submit. You still have to submit to the police when they pull you over for, let's say, you run a red light. Um, You have to submit to your law authorities, politicians. Ooh, even when you're at your job, your manager, or even if you're an entrepreneur, your clients to a certain degree, because you are there to serve your clients and to deliver on high S, high, uh, to provide a product of high quality. Yeah. So there's any way you want to, either, either any way you want to take it, you cannot run from it because you do have to submit to it. Even in your relationships with other people, you have to submit to it because. I heard a podcast say it one time and they were talking about the difference in between um, men and women and and they were talking about in marriage mm. and what submission looks like and how they have the new age uh, uh, women they're like oh I'm independent I'm not going to submit da, 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 da. and one guy made the analogy of I submit to my wife because that puts me in a better position and he was using the part of the umbrella. He was like, the person underneath the umbrella when it's raining, who is in a better pos- who is in a better position? Mm. So think of that in, in that way. When you do submit to God, you are underneath the his umbrella when the rain and the storm comes. And not saying anything won't touch you, but it's better to be underneath his umbrella of protection than to be outside of that. Yeah. Well, and one of the things I also want to talk about is the reality is all of us listening, probably when we hear the word submission, we cringe, at least in this context. Um, because we don't understand what it really means. We don't understand what it really means, but that's also because deep within us, there is a natural me-focused desire that wants to not have somebody else determine what I do. I want to make my own decisions. I want to be the person who makes decisions for myself, for me, yada, yada, yada. The reality is all of us submit to something. In Roman, in the book of Romans, in chapter six, it says in verse fifteen, "Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize that you have become a slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living." Thank God, once you were slaves of sin, but now you can wholeheartedly obey 
this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin and you can become slaves to righteous living. Later on in the book of Romans chapter eight, uh, Paul talks about that. Um, those who are dominated by the sinful nature, think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the spirit live, think about things that please the spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. The re- the reality is all of us, you are either choosing to, you're either choosing to, to submit to what God thinks is best, or you're choosing to submit to what your selfish nature wants to think is best, which at the end of the day brings it all the way back to Genesis when it came between choosing between the, and the Bible tree is a, as a symbolism for a lot of things. But one of the things it's a symbol for is wisdom. And it was the idea. Do I trust, do I choose the tree of life and trust in his wisdom? Or do I choose the tree of knowledge of good and evil and choose my wisdom at the end of the day, you're choosing to submit to one or the other, but only one of those things, according to Jeremiah chapter two, uh, leads to life. This is why in Jeremiah, why God says, um, where was it? Hold on. It was strange as this. Any nation? Here it is. Okay. So this is why in Jeremiah, God says, for my people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me, the fountain of, underline this, like I said earlier, living water. They have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. Interestingly enough, God refers to himself in Jeremiah chapter two is the fountain of living water. And yet we see Jesus when he goes to the woman at the well, the woman in Samaria, and he says, all who drink from the water I give, who drink of this, what does he say? Living water will never go thirsty again. It's the idea, who who do you trust in? Do you trust in the living water or are you just gonna get yourself some cracked jars that can't even hold water at all? You're choosing one or the other. And in this scenario, we have the choice between idolatry, which is the bad fruit, or submission, which is the good fruit. Am I going to choose to, ironically, you're choosing submission either way, but the reality is one produces good fruit, one produces bad fruit. Do I choose to idolize the things of this world, what I think is right, or do I choose to submit to the authority of the one who knows better than me? What does it look like in our own life for us to choose idolatry today and how that plays in our relationships with God, plays in our relationships with people? What do you think? How it plays into our relationship with God is that we idolize, I'm just going to go ahead and say it for uh, the saints and the ain'ts. Um, <laughs> we idolize, sometimes we can idolize what God can do for us, like the blessings. Um, and it brought it back to the lust thing as well. If you lust for so much, lust is a byproduct of uh, idolatry. 
like what you're saying, for example, when, when God tells them, literally in Jeremiah chapter 2, he says, when I brought you to a fruitful land and I gave you bounty and goodness, what did they do? It says, you defiled my land and corrupted the possession I had promised you. Same, same thing. That in itself, like you, you're so fascinated on the things of God and what he can do for you when that when that is that's just a byproduct and a benefit that you get by submitting to him and you should really just be uh submitting and loving god for who he is and then what he can do for you he will continuously to do for you whether you deserve it or not because he does that because he loves us and he has unconditional love for us but when the idolatry is that i'm gonna do this because i know god is gonna bless me and you know I, if I know if I do X, Y, and Z God is going to bless me with this Or he's going to you know Provide for me in this way But when he told you to go do something That maybe not That probably doesn't line up with your Your financial uh, um, Gain and he, But he has spoke to you In a numerous uh, ways that I want you to do this But you're like uh, no God I want to go Work with this person they still faith based But they're going to pay me more or whatever But God told you to go work with This person because He's told you to go to do And you don't see the blessing that comes Out of it and the blessing is Not what you can gain from it But what you can do for that person So and then what it looks like In our relationships with Each other um, in any type of kind of relationship, um, you you are so focused on what that person can provide for you. You idolize what they can do for you instead of just loving and what you can get from them instead of loving that person for who they are and and what they and where they are now and just and just loving on them. The next natural question for us is okay. Well, how do how do we how do we submit in the right way? That's, I think, a naturally good question to be asking because I think all of us can identify the dangers of idolatry. We can understand in our own life what happens when we when we begin to worship, um, as, even as it says in Romans, how like they traded up God for carven idols. And they ended up worshiping the created rather than the creator. Uh, but we know the, the dangers of idolatry in our own life and even in our personal relationships with other people where we idolize other things and we get so caught up and, and we and we get captured by this fleeting thing and you get stirred up in the moment and you make a selfish decision. But how do you begin to then submit in the, in the right way? Uh, that comes... And this is the difference where we see the difference in how it's explained in our world versus how we see it explained in scripture. So in our world, it's all about control. You know, that's what you'll see is that's why we don't like the idea of submission because we associate submission with control. We associate it with the, our, the wrong perception is I've got to micromanage what I do, what I say, how I act how I feel. Every little thing has to be controlled. But that's not how the Bible teaches it. Because the proper understanding of scripture, the greatest passage in all of scripture, the one thing all they'd have to do to follow and they would achieve everything else in all of the laws was Deuteronomy 6, 5. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your strength. And naturally that leads to loving your neighbor as yourself. 
So the best way that you actually submit to the Lord is not about, okay, not about this, I need to control, I need to take charge. There is there is a place for that. Take thought, take every thought captive, as it says in Romans. There is this idea, take every thought captive, be sober-minded. There is definitely a part that you play in taking a little bit of control over your own actions. There's a bit of, but it's more cooperation, all right? It's not as much of a, I've got to do this by myself, that's rooted in a sinful nature and you're choosing to be, to submit to a selfish nature and that's an idolization of yourself. When you think to yourself, it's my problem, I'll fix it. That's idolatry. Time to quit it. All right. Um, when you tell yourself, I've got to fix this. I've got to do this. It's idolatry. You have to quit it. It's idolatry. You idolizing your own ability. You're idolizing your own independence to think that if I messed this up, I have to fix it. How you fix that is not by control. It's not by sitting there and micromanaging everything. How you submit is less about grabbing this thing and, and, and shaping it yourself. It's more like just giving in, you know, similar to what's the right illustration. It's like, it's like falling in love, Adrian. It's like falling in love. It's like falling in love. You can't, you can't control when it happens, right? It just happens. Choosing to submit to the Lord and not choosing idolatry. It's like falling in love. It's not something that you muster up in your own strength. It's something you fall into. It's something you just let go of and you just let it can take you over but notice there's there's like two different ways of falling in love that can be both life-giving and death bringing (laughs) on one hand you could fall into something natural and beautiful and it's amazing but on the other hand you could already be in a faithful relationship and you could have your eyes turned away there's a deceit that wants to stir in you something that wants to follow your way, your path, what you think is right, what you think is best. That's the thing you have to be wary of. But when it comes to submitting to the Lord, you're not choosing to, it's, it's not this, it's not this selfish minded thing that you just fall into and you, and you indulge yourself and it's all about making you feel good. It's you're falling into his grace. You're falling, you're, you're, you're submitting. You're just saying, okay, have your way, like have your way with me. Like his love and his grace is already there. He's already given his life for you. He's already brought you out of your own Egypt. He's already offered liberation and a path to freedom. And you just have to say, okay, and you just fall into that and you just focus on him and you love him and you, you spend time in the word. You spend time in prayer. You spend time with him. You run after him with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. There's a cooperative part because you do run after him. You do seek in, seek him. But when it comes to submitting to his will, you submitting to his authority, it's not something that you have to like micromanage your own life. It's just you just fall into it. You know, I don't know what do you think man just just even that in a relational standpoint that it opens my eyes because you know I'm in a relationship as well but it also just brings you to the fact that you love that person um as they are 
whether they get any better or any worse, you're saying like, hey, I love this person and I'm going to be here for that person and not necessarily wanting to you're going to challenge them, but you're not trying to change them. You want them to change for their own benefit, not your own benefit. And in that component of what you were saying about submitting is that once you once you submit to that in a relationship that you just want to see that person change for themselves and have that own change on their own terms with the Lord. Like that's freeing in itself. And that is you submitting to God and saying that I am no longer in control. I'm not. And you're also submitting to that person as well saying that I don't control your life. Like I'm here to encourage and challenge you and, and be there with you, but I'm not here to, I am not God. You know what I mean? So in closing, friends, ask yourself and be honest with yourself. Am I choosing to submit to the Lord or have I been idolizing my own way? And if it's been about you, it's been about idolizing your way and what you think is right. Doing it in your own strength, you got to let go of that. Because if you don't. I mean, we just read in Jeremiah chapter two, how God says it will bring about its own destruction. God allows us to live in a world where we can make our own choices and our choices. He does not remove the consequences. There are consequences to our actions. But the reality is if we want to have a healthy relationship with God, we have to choose to let go of my way and realize that's rooted in in a thing within us that wants to rebel. It's rooted within a, in a me focused nature. It's about what I want, what I need, what feels good to me. We have this thing that just wants to control our own life. And as a result of that, the more that we follow wanting to have control of our own life, what eventually, eventually what happens and you see this replicated throughout um, society and governments or whatever eventually you keep following that path and it leads to where it's not enough to just adrian got scared by a little bee. <laughs> um you'll find that it, it won't be enough to just satisfy what you want and control of your own life eventually it will lead to where you can want to control other people and what other people do and what other people say. You want to have control over other people's life, ultimately as a means to gratify yourself. So if you want to have a healthy relationship with God, you have to let go of being controlled by your me-focused nature. You got to let go, and you have to choose to love God and let his love overtake you and just fall into it like you've fallen into a pool and you just kind of let go and you're like I'm going in <laughs> um, you just got to let go and let God's love consume you and the best way you can do that is by sitting and thinking and praying about him praying to him and thinking about his goodness and his grace and his love and his mercy and let that overflow out of you with a desire to know him and seek him and honor him and bring glory to him more of him less of me he must become greater i must become less as john the baptist once said so 
That being said, friends, thank you again for tuning in today, tuning into this message, this idea of Israel and their exile, and just a small lesson we can learn from that whole process. Uh, Do us a favor, share this episode with somebody that you know. Share this episode with somebody that you care about and say, hey, I'm just I'm having my 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 uh, my brain tickled. Um, I'm having my my thoughts challenged and I want you to join me in it. Um, we would love if you're living if you live in Georgia, we would love for you to join our monthly events and join our community. And we are just so thankful for you jumping in today and having this conversation with us. Next time, next episode, we're going to be go, jumping away from the Old Testament. We're transitioning in through history into what we call the New Testament. Uh, and now we're going to be jumping. We're going from the exile and we're jumping 600 years into the future of history and we're going our next episode is going to be about peter uh one of jesus's disciples and how through his we can learn the difference between fear and courage so we did yeah so in our next episode is going to be about peter and it's going to be about the uh what it means to give into fear and what it means to take courage So thank you again for listening. Thank you again for hanging out with us. And we hope you guys have a great day. And let us know how we can pray for you.